This is Retrospective Facilitation, a podcast for facilitators that want to make their retrospectives even more effective. Listen to industry experts, authors, and executives that advocate powerful retros, share their stories and insights on how to reflect, adjust, and become more effective. To receive updates on the latest episodes, subscribe to our newsletter at thisisretrospectivefacilitation.com and win a chance to ask questions to our guests. The positive and negative emotional attractors inspire sustained desire change and learning at many levels. And this episode I'll chat with Kevin that will tell us how to practically use PEA and NEA in our retrospectives. Kevin and I met at the Retrospective Facilitators uh, gathering in um, May of this year uh, around inland Boston. Uh, Kevin, uh, welcome to the show. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Kevin Callahan. Um, let's see. I help uh, to bring people together to solve complex problems is the best way to describe what I do. Sometimes that um, looks a lot like kind of agile stuff. Sometimes it looks a lot more like uh, traditional organizational development stuff. Um, but really, the, there's a couple of key points in there. One of them is bringing people together, um, how, to, how to do that effectively. And the other thing is uh, working in complexity and how to do that effectively. So those are the, the two kind of keywords uh, in that um, little introduction. Nice. And um, Kevin run a couple of sessions during the uh, retrospective facilitators gathering. And the one that we're going to talk and focus on uh, maybe at the start of, of this uh, of this episode is the um, PEA, NEA, um, emotional intelligence. And uh, Kevin, do you want to like uh, briefly mention to the audience what's that topic about and how it's going to help them? Sure. So, I mean, emotional intelligence is, um, it's not a new idea. It's been around for, I'm not sure when the, the original uh, book by Dan Goleman and a couple other folks came out, uh, but it's been a lot of years. And in those uh, intervening years, there's been um, a tremendous amount of both practitioner level work around emotional intelligence. And there's been a, a substantial amount of academic work around it as well. And um, uh, Richard Boyatzis at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland. Uh, he was one of my grad school professors. And so um, as far as I know, he's the one that coined this, this idea of a positive emotional attractor and a negative emotional attractor, which is the PEA and NEA. Uh, and so I got to learn that, that stuff directly from him, which was uh, pretty phenomenal. Um, and basically the idea is, uh, you know, it, it borrows uh, language from complexity theory, attractors are, uh, you know, kind of mathematical, or it can be described mathematically as, um, you know, there's, there's lots of different kinds of them. But, you know, if you think of like a pendulum on a clock, for instance, uh, at some point, that pendulum, uh, that clock is not a, a frictionless device, not a perfect device. So, so the, there, there will be an attractor at the very bottom, right, that pendulum will eventually uh, want to come to rest at, at the bottom. Um, which is one kind of an, an, an attractor. Um, the the yeah, I'll stop. I'll stop there on that. So the idea being that um, 
we can, uh, through how we interact with each other, we can either help each other to get into emotional spaces that are positive emotional spaces and help each other stay there, or we can um, put each other into negative emotional spaces and help each other stay there. Uh, and when we are doing the hard work of organizational change, and um, and I and I believe that becoming more uh, uh, agile, building agility is is definitely a change process. Um, we're more likely, I think, to be successful in achieving what we set out to do if we are able to spend more time in positive emotional space and less time in negative emotional space. Um, which is kind of where the, the rubber hits the road with, with some of the stuff. It's not just, uh, as it's, it's funny. I was just facilitating a, a few weeks ago I was in Chicago doing an appreciative inquiry session and, um, and people were, were, had called my part, the, the appreciative inquiry part of, of that offsite, the, the quote unquote warm and fuzzy. And I just kind of smiled and I go, yeah, well, you know, just wait. Because uh, we're we're talking change here, and it and it won't be warm and fuzzy for long. Um, but without that warm and fuzzy to really kind of give us a foundation, I think we we set ourselves up to make things even more difficult than they are uh, already. Nice. Yeah. What I liked, um, I didn't know that uh, Boyatzis was uh, was one of your professors. Uh, no wonder that you talked about it. Um, actually, after RFG, I did a, a class on Coursera. So if people are like. Um, interested uh, at the end we'll, we'll put a link somewhere for that Coursera class that, that goes into the details of like the uh, um, how to how to uh, put people in in PEA NEA one thing I, I really I got out of um, the whole uh, the whole subject is how much um, well it's interesting that we need both PEA and NEA we need to be in both states so it's not just like oh yeah let's just think positive everything is going to be fine and you'll be you'll be good it's um it's a balance and I think in somewhere I was uh, I was kind of like looking at my notes uh, he mentions the um, the balance of like three to one positive emotional attractor like um, and negative emotional attractor and this is like backed by by science so they have like uh, groups of teams this is the other thing that I found really interesting uh, this is not just about hey like be positive is everything's gonna be okay again there's like researchers behind this uh, they've been like running uh, tests um so maybe like we can um kind of introduce like how do we do we tell people that hey we're gonna like put you in this uh p-a-n-e-a <laughs> or how do we how do we get there oh that's funny um yeah it's 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 one of these things that i i don't usually r reveal that because it's just so kind of crazy abstract. And as soon as you say something like, Hey, I'm going to, um, let's facilitate this from the positive emotional attractor. You know, you've already lost people and now they're just spun out. Like what the heck is this guy talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and so, you know, to maybe, maybe hone in on it a little bit to get a little more concrete. Like, what are we talking about? We we're talking about, um, the emotional experience, which ties very much into physiology as well, it's not just an emotional experience. It's a it's a full full body, full consciousness, emotional, mental, and physiological uh, experience of 
positive emotions like hope, like optimism, like love, like respect, like appreciation. I mean, even I can just feel myself uh, internally softening as I say these these words. Um, you know, there's and 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 so if, for instance, I'm going to, um, you know, I'm a consultant, so I'm and I'm a change consultant, and and because of that, I, I don't, I don't get to, I don't get invited into places that are um, have figured it out how they're going to change, right? I get invited into places that are really struggling, and um, in some cases are really don't know where else to turn, right? They've kind of exhausted everything they know how to do. And so um, they're willing to spend money on a consultant to come in. And so those places tend to be pretty anxiety filled. Um, people tend to be pretty nervous. Um, if they don't already know me, um, they're often very suspicious about why am I here and what am I going to say and what am I going to do and um, what are the implications for them? And um, it's pretty tough to to be effective as a as a change agent, you know. If 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 when I walk into the room, people are already feeling threatened, and they're already um, kind of retreating into uh, a, to some degree of fight or flight and some degree of acute stress. And so, what I want to do is um, reverse that and help again bring people together help people come around the table from facing off against each other and, and sit shoulder to shoulder and, and work through some of these hard things together and so like a, a real simple example of how i might do that is rather than ask somebody like when i sit with the an executive sponsor rather than say um what's your goal or uh, what success or um, what's the outcome, which are all very kind of problem solving focused questions. I might ask a different question instead, which is imagine that we're already completely perfectly right. What would that be like? Imagine you came in to work tomorrow or some other time, imagine you went to sleep tonight and you woke up, uh, instead of waking up tomorrow, you woke up five years later and you came into work and, and all of the changes that you most desire to happen had happened. What do you see? What are people doing? What's different about that day? Um, you know, you can ask people like, imagine it was the perfect week. What's that week like? Imagine it's the end of the year and everything has just been the most amazing year you could ever want. And what are you talking about? What's happened? Right. And those kinds of questions that are really wide open and possibility focused help people to um, just kind of really relax into that conversational moment. And it gives them access to emotional and mental faculties and, and resources that uh, help them to articulate what's really, really important. And as they articulate what's really, really important, another word for that, those things are values. 
right? We can start articulating the values that we want to hold together. And uh, if we can get people to align on values, now we're like starting to cook. Now we're starting to get some foundation of change um, that has a, a pretty good shot at, at succeeding. Um, especially if those values are, are of course, are ones that other people in that organization um, also hold true and aspire to. Nice. Um, how long does it usually take to uh, to have someone uh, like be that uh, positive emotional attractor? To, to, to kind of flip into it? Mm -hmm. It varies. Um, I've, you know, it's funny, you, you mentioned that, that you and I had met at the retrospective facilitators gathering which for those who aren't aware it's it's is it five days or four days i can't remember it's like a, a week the better yeah, part of a week days, right yeah. mm -hmm. so it like starts on monday and it ends on friday and you know it's in, in a fairly rural area and so it's, it's it's very much a retreat more than a conference um and it's small there's maybe you know high teens 18 20 people there um who really wanted to learn together about retrospective facilitation and so already um, you know, you've got what I would term fairly people-centric people <laughs> getting together in a, in a pretty amazing supportive environment that's, you know, fairly emotionally intimate. I'm spending a lot of time together, having meals together, learning, meeting each other, learning about each other. And so after a few days of that, you know, and we're doing this whole thing through open space, and um, which means that there's nothing really scheduled, right? So we're kind of creating the event as it, as it uh, unfolds. And so I chose to throw this session out there, I think on Thursday. I mean, it was one of the last things I did before um, I had to leave a little early. And so, um, and it wasn't, I, I mean, it blew my mind, right? It, it was this incredible, like, just rich uh, emotional space together of, of just, oh man, it felt so good. Um, and it took very little effort on any of our parts because we are already, we are just so receptive, right? We were so ready just because of, I think, the combination of who we were, where we were, what we were doing together, um, how long we had been doing it together. Um, so it was very conducive. On the other hand, if I'm meeting somebody who's in uh, an acutely stressful situation, they're, um, they're facing, uh, anxiety and anxiousness and they're they're facing fear and they're facing uncertainty and they're and they're and they're facing uh, they're not sure uh of you know maybe their own professional survival or they're not sure that the the organization is going to survive um that's a really really different context right that that person is uh, going to be in a very different place so it can take um a series of questions uh to help first get somebody into the positive emotional attractor and then, um, and then helping them to stay there and learning how to do that is, I mean, man, it's, it's, uh, it's subtle and it's, it's own kind of an art. And I mean, we can, we can talk about that a little bit next if that's of, of interest, but I guess the, the, that was a very long winded answer of your question that it, it really depends, right? Like what, what else is going on for this person? Um, how familiar are they with, uh, you know, some people really uh, live their life more in positive emotions and some people don't. And um, if they don't, it's, I think it's reasonable 
to expect that it's going to be a little more difficult um, to help them get into that space and then um, take more work to stay in that space. Cool. One thing that comes to mind is, um, and again, I, I remember that, 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 that session very well. Like if, if, if it's a, if it's a group, uh, does the dynamic change? What, what challenges have you seen when uh, you prompt uh, some of the questions that, uh, that you mentioned earlier? Like, uh, imagine we're completely right. Imagine you come to work five years later. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, what are some of the uh, challenges you've seen in, in, in groups? Do you find skeptics? Do you find, uh, and how do you counter some of those uh, uh, challenges? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, I mean, the, I don't know that I've ever, you know, <laughs> It, it varies. It varies widely, right? So, so if, for instance, like I'm teaching a class, uh, so, so one of the things I've done in my work, um, my professional career is I've been a professional trainer. And there is a huge, huge difference, for example, between a workshop where uh, people have chosen to be there, um, whether it's public or private versus a workshop where people have either been um, told to be there where it's been made mandatory or um, it has been they've been basically coerced or or strongly suggested to be there which is really the same thing right like they're not there of their own free will and they're not necessarily interested in being there um, and that could be anything from a, a training environment that could be um, their their uh, organization has just adopted or relatively recently adopted something like scrum and so they they spent uh, a chunk of their career working in a very different way, like often on their own independently. And now um, they're told, nope, you know, you're part of a team. And now you have to work together with all these people who, um, you know, maybe you, you don't know well or maybe you don't want to. Right. Like there's all these dynamics. And so helping people um, who either don't want to be there or don't understand why it's important. Um, it can take, I think it can be more difficult. And I've also seen that um, if I can bring those people around, they become the, the strongest um, supporters. Mm -hmm. Like, and I, and I like that. I like that initial skepticism because it tells me that people are, um, they're thinking like they, they want to make their own decision about this, right? Um, they're, they're thinking through things more critically um, than maybe somebody who just uh, takes hook, line, and sinker, just takes a face value, whatever, whoever is standing at the front of the room is telling them. Um, that makes me nervous, which is kind of off topic of PEA, but um, I think it's still uh, an important point. So I think your question was, so how do you, how do you work with skeptics? Um, well, I mean, skeptics are human beings, right? And human beings are emotional critters. We, we, we are that way. And um, again, like this is the, the PEA versus any, like, like some people, like I've definitely worked with a very, 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 very small number of people. Like I can count them on one hand who um, regardless of what I attempted to do, I could not, I couldn't get them out of, um, you know, just that, that fear-based, negative judgmental mindset the far 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 majority of the uh, probably thousands of people i've worked with at this point um they're willing to play ball right 
um, if they feel that they're heard, if they feel that they're respected, if they feel um, that the concerns they have are um, listened to and um, understood. And, um, you know, and some of that isn't necessarily like a, a positive emotion, like, I don't know, like joy. <laughs> um, yet it is a positive emotional experience of connection between two, two people. Right. And, and so you know, like one of the things uh, from coactive coaching that we take really, really seriously is, you know, you coach the person, not the problem. Right. Like, like, you know, we just have to, I think it's, it's on us to remember like, Hey, individuals and interactions over process and tool. Like these are people we're talking about here. Um, everything else is secondary. Let's, let's focus on the people. And, and I sometimes am better at that than, or better or worse at that. Um, I get caught up in the processes and tools quite a bit myself. Um, cool. Yeah. But well, again, like, uh, oh, no, asking sorry. people who, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Finish up. Um, I was just going to say, you know, asking people questions like, um, again, that these, the, the, there's a few, um, they, they can be a little bit contrived if you don't have, uh, the, 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 uh, kind of conversational fabric or context to ask them, but, uh, some questions that can help pull people together into PEA, um, again, possibility focused questions, uh, if you were like one way I'll, I'll kick off uh, trainings is I'll ask people, um, imagine when you came into this room, you thought you were coming to a training about like agile fundamentals or whatever the thing is, product ownership, whatever. And instead of coming in and, and learning that, um, you came in and I uh, was handing each of you a suitcase full of cash, say $40 million of cash. And you get to keep all of it. You don't have to. You don't have to pay any of it on taxes. Or um, say, fine, you have to pay some taxes. But after you know, the stuff, you get to keep is 40, 40 million. You get a free and clear. And um, there's something else in that suitcase. Um, the something else is a is a plane ticket to anywhere in the world. Um, go, you know, and I invite them to to you know change the temporarily change part of the, the room into a map of the world. Go stand in the place on the globe uh, where that ticket would be, where would you go? No strings attached, right? And um, then once people go stand, uh, you know, have them introduce themselves, who are you, what's your role? Um, why are you here? What are you looking for? And where are you standing, right? Um, and that kind of kickoff already gets the group into a PEA, right? Now we're ready to start, like they don't really, you know, and I don't say anything about any of the theory behind it, right? It's just like, let's just do this thing together really quick. And, um, and that kind of thing just sets us off uh, where I don't even know anymore who the skeptics were. Like they, they're already present. They're already showing up. They're already like, oh, this guy's a different sort of a fish or whatever. Like he's, he's not just going to stand uh, at the front of the room and, and lecture us. Um, he actually cares. Like that's their perception, right? Um, so that's one way. Another way into PEA um, is asking, having people reflect on, um, think back to somebody who really, a specific individual that really helped you become who you are today. 
could have been a teacher, a mentor, a parent, a, an aunt, an uncle, a friend, um, anybody, right? Like who who is really somebody that was really influential in shaping your life in a in a profound way? And just you know, keep asking follow up questions about that. Um, you can and, ask people. And, sorry, go ahead. And you have the group like sharing with each other, or is it uh, maybe like written on a piece of paper? How do you? Um, well, you know, it's it's interesting that that particular one. I've used that more individually. Um, if you're familiar with uh, Patrick Lencioni's book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, you read that one. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, it's a it's it's based on there's sort of this, this five things that, that high performing trust. teams. Yeah. It, trust is one of them, right? They trust each other. They have productive conflict. Uh, they, they, uh, hold each other or they can make commitments. They hold each other, come out uh, accountable, those commitments and they focus on results. Right. Um, and, and it's basically a stepwise, like those things build on each other and the kind of trust that he's talking about is, um, not like I trust you to do your job, which is more of a dependability thing. It's um, it's a vulnerability trust or vulnerability based trust, which is I trust that um, we can tell each other the truth as we perceive it, and we can tell each other the truth as we perceive it without fear of negative repercussions. Right? It might be a difficult conversation, and it's a productive, positive conversation, even as it's difficult. And so, one of the ways he um, he suggests uh entering into that like kind of humanizing each other in this group is a personal history exercise and um that question is something that people could consider for themselves about and then share that with the group right some somebody um who uh, was really influential um another question could be something like an experience when when you felt um, like you were truly at your best, that you were able to just completely shine. What was that? What did you do? Right. Um, getting at questions. If if you can uh, dig into people's values, the real values, not the values that they think they should have. Um, but they're, they're, they're truly deeply held values. Um, and then do you, do you structure the, the day, the activity differently based on uh, maybe some of their values or some of their, um, uh, some of their answers or are those answers purely to put them in the PEA so that then you can uh, move on and continue with your activity? It's, it's unless, well, yeah, so usually my, I have, I have yet to be in a session or working with a group where the answers to those questions were relevant to the content of the topic at hand. Fair right? Like usually we're talking something around like software development, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Or, or like this, this thing in Chicago I referenced, like that was a, a marketing um, organization. Mm -hmm. But the, about new new ways of marketing but one thing that the pa allows you to do and i don't think I don't, I don't know if we've mentioned that already is allows you to open up possibilities versus the uh, negative emotional attractive that kind of like uh feels 
a feel of like uh, not not wanting to engage and not using the full potential mm-hmm. of your brain. Uh, so even if like maybe the topics are not relevant, uh, it is it is more about like having them step into this into the space. Would you exactly, say? exactly right? It's it's a con- it's a context setting exercise, um, and and the emotional space does matter tremendously. Right, a good facilitator is one of the things we call like the temperature of the room. Right, is the temperature of the room warm or cold? Like, are people the emotional temperature, not the physical temperature? Right, like, like as you walk into the room, is there is there there's there's like a a a, a generative energy that can be palpable, 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 palpable. Uh, you can feel it, right? You can sense it. You can see it. Um, and some of this is not like, oh, like, uh, really, you can read emotions in a room? It's like, well, yes. And um, as people are in the PEA, uh, they, again, they undergo physiological changes. Your body undergoes physiological changes um, where, where you get uh, more relaxed. You know, you're, you're uh, you know, I'm, Enrico has this, like, great... Um, graphic recording so we're, we're seeing this he and i are seeing this on the screen you, you know you're just listening to this uh, probably on the on the video on the audio um so he's got these great uh, uh notes he's that, that he's got up um this idea between the sympathetic versus the parasympathetic nervous system uh, arousal right and um the sympathetic being that's your fight or flight right um when your body and, and you're in our we're wired so that um you know, emotional and social threats uh, trigger the same physiological responses as physical threats. Um, that's not a very conducive place to try to collaborate from, for instance, or learn from, or or do the hard work of changing uh, either of any kind, organizationally or individually. Right. So, getting people um, like like you can you can see you can you can see in people's body language. Are they like deciding if they should run or are they relaxed at ease, um, engaged, curious? What's their face look like? Is their face relaxed? What do their eyes look like? What are they, what are their arms doing? What are their hands doing? But you can just see like, what's their body language? And is that always going to be an indicator? Of course not. Right. Um, but it's a, a, a signal. It's a piece of the puzzle. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and all of those things, again, like if I'm a trainer if in a training context, and so my job is to help these people learn about a topic, they're not going to learn if they're in the NEA, right? If the only question running through their head is, um, how does this apply to me? What does this mean for my job? Can I do it? Do I care? They're not going to learn anything. So definitely when we set the stage, uh, ensuring or having having an activity that that, that might do the group in PEA and then one thing that when I did that class is like there was like this this like I think it was part of coaching with compassion and like when when you mm-hmm. see that the individual gets into NEA maybe have them like return in PEA so there's like people get in and out of those uh, of those states and again like we need both to survive it's not like we're not yeah. gonna be in PEA 24-7 uh, I think that was another like uh, Right. Uh, key takeout for, for me when I was listening to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, he, he's still there's a, a I, I think a profound um, 
fuel, shall we say, that's available from those negative emotions that propel us forward, right? Um, you know, anger is a really, a really great one. Um, the best uh, definition of anger. So, so in balance, anger, healthy expression of anger uh, from uh, Chinese five element theory is it's a will to become. Right. It's, it's a will to become something that is not present today. It's like, holy smokes, like you, you want to engage in change. You better have a bunch of that on tap. Otherwise, you know, you can't like this, the status quo, like you can't just hang out and, and feeling good together. Um, if you're, if your organization is falling apart around you, right. That's irresponsible. Like, like sometimes you do need some of that. Right. Um, and if that's the only thing you have, you're going to make really poor decisions because, uh, that's just what we do when we're under stress. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it adds, it is absolutely a, a balance point. Um, I guess the, the, the place that I come to with it is, uh, the world, uh, just moving through the world, uh, especially the, the current day, maybe it's always been this way, but it, it certainly seems like, um, we're facing some pretty large, very acute um, problems in our, on our planet and uh, in, certainly in, in this country, in America. Um, there will be no shortage of NEA opportunities, <laughs> right? <laughs> so perhaps we should um, really learn how to foster the PEA ones for no other reason that it's, it's, it's very likely going to save your life. It's going to keep your body from destroying itself from the inside out. Um, let alone, it just makes it more enjoyable to be in relationship. Um, I think there, there's one, um, there's definitely one thing that I do want to clue in on. And, uh, and you have it down here at the bottom of, of your NEA, it says obligation and to do. And so one of the things, um, uh, you know, this is a, a, a signal that I look for when I'm talking with people we're asking them these kinds of questions. I'm, I'm listening for the specific language they use in their response. And so like, if you say, when I say to somebody, um, hey, I'm gonna give you 40 million, imagine I'm gonna give you $40 million. Uh, what, do you, what would you do with that? And invariably people's first answers are, oh, um, I would make sure uh, you know, my parents are set. You know, I'd buy my parents' house or I'd, you know, I'd, I'd make sure like they could retire and, and they would be okay. Um, I would make sure my kids are set up. I would make sure I'm set up. Like those are all the obligation, like the, the to-dos. It's not that they're not good things. It's that they're not, um, they're not generative for us. Uh, certainly if they're not taken care of, they're going to be sources of stress, Right. But invariably, people after they kind of tick through, oh, I you know I'd, I'd give a half of it away to to these uh, charities, right? I would whatever those things are, and then they'll say something like, "And then I would set up an art studio for myself," or "And then I would finally be able to take that trip that I've always wanted to take," or. And then I would have the farm that I've always wanted to have, right? And so at some point, 
they kind of go from this sort of like checklist of to-dos to the really important thing that they've always yearned for or yearned to return to if they've been lucky enough to experience it. And their voice will shift just like mine did. And you can watch their gaze kind of just goes off into the distance, right? They kind of stop being there, there with you. And they just go off in into this kind of revelry. And you can watch it happen, right? And it's once you learn to recognize the signals of somebody entering the PEA, um, it's, it, it's just like, it's just like a beacon. <laughs> and then sometimes you'll watch them like they'll, they'll, they'll sort of be like, Oh, but if I was going to, if I was going to build an art studio, Oh man, what are all the things I need to do? Oh geez. I'd have to find a studio. And I, ah, blah, blah, you know, and then you can like watch them kind of like shift back. And, and then, you know, you ask him another question of like, well, what kind of art would you create? Oh, it would be this amazing, right? Like, and so you just kind of help sort of like, come on back over here. <laughs> which is really about coaching the person and not like, you know, you don't, it, it doesn't matter what their, it's their topic, right? They're, it's their dream. Just helping them stay connected to their dream in a way that's um, possibility focused and that excitement and, and the stuff that we really want to do. We want to do like a final kind of like uh, thing that you want to share with the, uh, with the audience before we move on to uh, closing out. Well, I, I will say just for myself, like, you know, when, when I, when I was like tracking the time today, I'm like, it, I was definitely kind of feeling obligated. I'm like, oh man, like we've been, Enrico and I, we've been trying to get on this call since May. And now that it's happening, like, uh, I've got like all these other things I really should be doing and uh, fine. Like I totally, like I, I said, I'd be there. So I'm going to go because it's important to me. Um, you know, it's fully obligation, right? Like I, I was kind of like, maybe he won't show up, right? How long should I wait? <laughs> like, I'll give him five minutes. He's Italian. He's five minutes it's late, I'm out of here, right? Um, and even just having the conversation has shifted me. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to listen to the recording, just the tone of my voice from when I introduced myself to, to this latter part, right? Um, because I know that for myself, like, I've shifted into the PEA through this conversation. And, um, and so if you're still listening to the thing, um, that might be an interesting uh, a thing. Listen back. Just just listen for the tone of my voice, right? Listen to the animation of it. Listen to um, the intonation. And 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 do you hear a shift at some point as I as I made that leap? I'm not sure really where it it happened, but I know it happened because I feel completely different now than I did when we started um, just half an hour ago. And now I've got my two dogs, which is another great way to get in the PEA. Um, yeah, let me rattle off a couple other things, right? So um, petting animals that are soft and fluffy um, is, a, is shown to move people into PEA. Spending time in the natural world, uh, particularly um, the sounds of, of the natural world, uh, are, is, a, is a pretty good way to, to get into PEA. Um, praying to a loving God, not a vengeful God. Um, but a loving God and, you know, in prayer, uh, meditation is another one that is, is very effective. Um, anything that really moves you into a space of compassion is uh, a good, uh, a, a pretty proven way. Um, 
that's those are, those are sort of a whole smorgasbord right of of ways to move out of cycles of stress uh this is again some of uh, boyatis's words uh, moving out of cycles of stress and into cycles of renewal uh, which is really, really critical. Like, again, like if, if, if we're going to be sustainable or operating at a sustainable pace with this stuff in the face of what all we've got going on, um, it ain't all going to, we can't, we can't do it from the NEA. We have to actively foster PEA um, just as a pure, you know, just a pure survival mechanism, let alone uh, a way to, to bring joy back into our lives in a, in a big way. Nice. Awesome. Um, I usually end up with three questions that I ask all the guests. And the um, first one is, um, is there a book that you're reading right now that you want to share with the audience? Oh, uh, man. Or you just finished. <laughs> or something you just finished. You know, um, I have to admit that, that I have been so flat out for the last few months with just delivery and building my business that I have not... Uh, been reading nearly as much as I would like to. Here's one that that really kind of I found actually really really surprising um, is the Culture Code by Daniel Coyle. Um, I picked that one up. Uh, I was resistant to getting it because it's like, man, do I really need to spend what limited time I have for reading on yet another book about culture? Um, I'm trained as a cultural anthropologist. My undergraduate was was uh, degrees in um, cultural anthropology. And, uh, and I was really surprised, pleasantly surprised and blown away by um, what he had to say. Um, so that's, uh, that's one. It's called uh, The Culture Code, The Secrets of Highly Successful Groups. Cool. Um, awesome. And yeah. um, the second question I usually ask is if you have a favorite uh, retrospective facilitation activity. Well, I've got a lot of sort of standards. Uh, I... I created one um, actually all around this work around the PEA and NEA and obligation. And, uh, you know, cause one of the hardest things around retrospectives, uh, do I have a couple of minutes to, to talk about this or are we trying to, totally, yeah, no, quick? I think you're going to go through. I'm going to like, just <laughs> speed us up. Like go down okay. speed. <laughs> all right. So basically, um, you know, one of the challenges I've, I found uh, in my decade plus career as an agilist is, um, is many of the improvements that a scrum team, for instance, chooses are really obligations, right? They're things that they feel they ought to do. They're things they feel they need to do. They're things they feel they should do. They're not necessarily things that they're really excited to do and they really want to do. And it's, and it's like, man, you, you've already got so much of your professional life that you have no control over. Um, this is one corner of it that, that we're giving you um, full autonomy to make these decisions. Like, let's see if we can't make these out of um, something, like find something that you really want to do together, all of you. And so one of the things I will do is um, bring to a, a retro, like a list of questions that, um, or statements that are, are yes, no, right? Like, um, I understand uh the business value of every item in my backlog um i'm completely satisfied with the quality of whatever we're building if it's software or infrastructure or whatever um i'm completely satisfied with the quality of the relationships in my team i'm completely satisfied with um our ability to to have difficult conversations right you just give them a list like maybe eight things 
and and they have two questions on on each statement. Um, yes, I, I agree with this completely today, or no, I don't. And then uh, if you have answered no, is this something you're truly interested on working on to improve? Yes or no. And uh, then I chart those things with like, so I have people vote anonymously. They don't put their name on the sheet. They just like go through it. We shuffle it and we pass those sheets back out to the group once they are um, filled out and nobody knows who's they're holding. And I have a way to, to chart it um, that says basically visually, um, are we satisfied with this idea? And is this idea, um, if no, is this idea something that we wanna work on? And you just look for the concentration of this is not something we're satisfied with and it's something we wanna work on. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter to find the thing that nobody is satisfied with, but they also don't want to work on it. Like that's a terrible thing to choose, <laughs> right? And and in, again, invariably there's, there's I, I've, I've not like massively robustly tested this activity. Um, I've, I've run it enough times, you know, like a handful of times to be like, wow, this is a keeper. Um, and there's always been a, something that pops out that people both uh, as a whole uh, like the entire group is dissatisfied with it and um, almost the entire group, if not the entire group is willing to, and really wants to do some, something different about it. And so it's like, cool, now we've got a thing that we can work on and, and people have a lot of energy around. So that's, um, that's one thing that, that I've, I'm pretty excited to continue to work on and refine and share out to the world and see uh, how other people um, are using it. I think it made its way into recess actually. Adam Weisbart's thing. Um, he and I talked about it at one point. So nice, awesome. Uh, do you have a blog post or something that we can link on for this? Not yet. <laughs> no, Plugging is we'll one just, of those things. Like, we'll just transcribe this conversation. Yeah, you'll just have post. to. This will be the the uh, item of record for it, I guess. <laughs> cool, cool. Uh, and the final question, uh, Kevin. What is your favorite food? Oh man, dish. my favorite food. If I if I could really only, uh, I think I I have to be a little bit cliche here and, and and go really good sushi. Really, really fantastically fresh, from a really awesome sushi chef who really knows their stuff. Um, have them choose, make stuff up for me. That's that's one of my favorites, if not my favorite. Subarashi. Our guests share lots of insights and ideas. Which change are you going to try in your next retrospective? Tell us on Twitter with hashtag thisisretrospectivefacilitation or leave us a comment on thisisretrospectivefacilitation.com. To get Kevin's contact, head to thisisretrospectivefacilitation.com slash e slash 16. Norm Kurt, known as the father of retrospectives and author of the book Project Retrospectives, suffered a disabling brain injury in a car accident 20 years ago. Visit thisisretrospectivefacilitation.com slash helpnorm for details and a link on how to contribute to his fund. Thank you for listening. This is Enrico Teotti. Till next time.